Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. A few things before we get into today's episode. First, if you have not already done so, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to the show to so you can never miss an episode. We've got such great guests coming up. Secondly, make sure you share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And lastly, you know that we have the Move the Ball merchandise store. There's a link in the show notes. So be sure to go check that out. Pick yourself up some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. Oh, one last thing. I previously mentioned on the show that I was working on my next book. That book is off to the publisher. We have got a title. I'll be announcing that soon. So the ball is moving with that and it will come out this fall. So stay tuned and I'll be giving more updates along the way. All right. Enough about that for now. Let's move along to today's episode. Inside the huddle with us today, I'm ready to talk about his experience and what he does to move the ball is Myron Flowers. Myron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us. You're certainly doing some great things, training some elite athletes and doing just amazing things to make an impact. And you're a master at your craft. So we're going to get into all of that in just a minute. Let me share a little bit about your bio for our listeners. So Myron is an accomplished performance trainer who has over 25 years of direct performance, fitness, and industry experience. He is the owner of 360 Fit Performance, and he has trained hundreds of Division I athletes, pro athletes, as well as active adults. Myron just helps athletes perform at their best, and some of the pro athletes that Myron has trained include Vernon Davis, Vontae Davis, Stefan Diggs, Trevon Diggs, and also... Tavon Wilson, who was recently on the show, too. And we'll talk about some of the other guys that uh, Myron is training as we get into today's conversation. All right, Myron, are you ready to move the ball? Let's move it. All right. Always got to keep it moving. So you know, you're around a lot of competitive athletes. And the competitive athlete mentality is something that certainly separates those types of individuals from others that are out there playing the game, whether it's the game of life, whether it's a sport. It's just when you have that mindset, you're just built different than other people that are kind of floating through life, just seeing kind of what life throws at them, right? And so when you look at the people that you work with and being an athlete yourself, like what are some of those things that that mentality teaches to help separate you and those people from just everyday Joes that are maybe not as elite? Well, to kind of just what you said, that's why sports translate so well into real life because you face so many of those same things that you're going to go through life. Nothing's planned in sports. You can prepare for things, but you can also prepare the fact that you're going to probably run into some uncomfortable circumstances. And how you handle those circumstances are based off of your ability to have been uncomfortable before and dealt with those circumstances. So if you haven't been through anything or done things, it's going to be hard for you to really deal with. So what I noticed from a lot of athletes is that because they've had the opportunity to prepare themselves physically, 
of course, for whatever sport they play, but then in turn makes them strong individuals, but helps them deal with things that's going to come their way, whether it be injury, whether it be just the expectation of playing at a high level, the anxiety you may face in reference to doing something new, maybe you're a freshman in college, going to your first year of college. Maybe it's your rookie year playing in, in a professional sport. So all these things are all, always new. It's always something new. It's always something different, and it's constant changing. So I think that's what helps them deal with it the most. And that's what I see the difference from those athletes in general than, you know, somebody per se that just kind of going through, through life and then may not know how to handle it. For sure. And I really like about how you talk about a couple of things. One, that uh, nothing goes as planned, right? Things aren't going to occur the way we expect them to 100% of the time. And also the ability to be uncomfortable and get comfortable being uncomfortable is a common phrase that people say. And when you look at competitive athletes, they are high performers. And I heard someone say this a few months back, and it was like, you can take a high performer and put them in any situation, and they're going to figure it out because they're used to figuring those things out. And so they're conditioned that way to whether it's an injury and you got to overcome that and do that rehab and mentally, that's the harder part is the mental part of dealing with an injury and, and recovering through it. Or it's something else that happens. I mean, once you are conditioned mentally to go through experiences that put you in uncomfortable situations, it's easier to continue to perform in those situations as you move forward. Right. So talk to us about your business. You've been doing this for a long time. You're definitely an expert at your craft. And so why did you want to get into this industry? I think just growing up as an athlete, my parents put me into different sports and diversifying my abilities. So I was always active. Fast forward into high school, I played varsity football as a freshman, but that was because I played with older kids in the neighborhood. And fortunately for me, my head coach, who, uh, you know, rest in peace, Coach Richard Mantell, he was a former bodybuilder, great football coach, but he was kind of that early inspiration early on, you know, eating health, coming from a bodybuilder around, you didn't see that. He always packed raw tuna and he had these raw vegetables all the time. And when you're young growing up, it's like, that's disgusting. We're eating hamburgers and french fries and things of that nature, but we were burning them all. But he was educating us on the importance of nutrition. He's talking about the late 80s, early 90s. Taking that in and then understanding how it helped us. And then his education on shrimp training, warming the body up. Uh, during that time. So that kind of helped my progression. And then fast forward into college, I went to North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina, where I played football as well. But so while I was in college, I took on the responsibility of one, learning philosophically about myself and how I was going to improve myself to help my team. And I had to do that first. While I'm in school, I met a nutritionist in uh, during North Carolina. She was more of the on the holistic side of nutrition. She was kind of taught me how to grocery shop and what I'm looking at for labels. And this is the 90s as well. And then I had a trainer. His name was Wayne Hall, who owned a gym called Hall of Fitness in Durham, North Carolina. And he came from a bodybuilder's background as well. So he kind of saw me and took a liking to me and saw my work ethic and saw my drive. And he was like, man, I want to work with you. I see, you know, see something in you. And I did everything I was supposed to do when I was on that campus, of course, as a football player in reference to training with my team. But I was doing things outside of my team that was going to individually better myself. It wasn't me being selfish. It was just some things that I saw, limitations I saw in myself that I wanted to work on that others may not have known. So I learned nutrition in college 
and seeing the difference on how it helped me. Philosophically taking on forms of, of bodybuilding in my philosophy today. And that's a piece of what we do today. Using that and then now seeing it work. So I had to show that it worked first. I'm eating these foods. I'm changing foods, changing my body. My performance level is changing. Now my teammates are following. So now I have my teammates' attention that were a little bit ignorant to eating better. Again, you had a black comment, so you get fried chicken, you got hot dogs, you got ham. You got things that guys are accustomed to eating that don't know that, yeah, it's not bad to eat those things, but there's some other things that you can eat that can help you. And then there's some other things you can do outside of the program that can help you. So they follow, and then now I'm becoming, a, I'm an assistant strength and conditioning coach and a player my junior and senior year in college. So I'm a captain, but I'm a leader in a sense on and off the field. So that kind of helped me understand to be at a level of excellence in reference to what I had to teach to other people. I had to actually do it. I had to live it. So fast forward, get an opportunity to play in Canada, Montreal, Canada in the CFL, and then also the uh, British Columbia, Vancouver, British Columbia Lions. At the time, of course, I wanted the opportunity, like everybody else, to play in the NFL. But when you come from a small school, especially during that time, this is before social media, it's before internet, it's before marketing, you had to really have a big, a high level of production. I was All-American my junior year, but I had the coaching change my senior year. My point is, at the end of the offseason and playing in Canada, I wasn't making a lot of money, so I actually had to work in the offseason. So during that time, while I'm working myself out, I'm at local fitness gyms, working out, finding, of course, high school tracks and fields and training myself, but people are following me in the gym that I'm training, paying attention to what I'm doing. So I, I took notice of that. That means it was just kind of similar to what I was having in college, but these were people that were just general fitness people asking questions. And I said, well, you know what? I might have something. I might have something in reference to If I'm able to teach something that somebody knows, that's a service. And you can provide a service for somebody. You can be paid for that service. So then that's what kind of took on the approach of me training and then started off in the general fitness gym. And then, of course, as I started to meet some athletes, I realized we're at a different point. You talk about the 2000s now, early 2000s, and you realize that these players aren't getting the same thing that you got. Meaning during that time, players just did not have trainers. You didn't you, you train with your coach, train with your team. There was no outside entity that was helping you. My first client actually took a chance and wanted to learn things with Vernon Davis. He was a freshman at Maryland University, you know, and guys kind of laughed at him and joked him like, you know, what you got a trainer for? It was kind of almost taboo. Like, what do you need a trainer for? You're working out of school. We got a strength conditioning program. But it wasn't so much. Vernon couldn't really explain how it was improving. He just was going through it. It was hard to explain to people. And I told him that, and it would be. It's the same it was for me as a player when I was training myself with doing things outside of the norm. It's hard to explain to people who can't, can only see doing things a certain way. But I told them, I said, philosophically, I was teaching them more of a lifestyle approach to training and his body himself, learning himself. So taking him to Whole Foods. He's probably one of the first athletes that walked through Whole Foods. This when Whole Foods first came about. What am I doing? I'm, I'm essentially teaching what I was taught. So chiropractic care, massage therapy, introducing him to different forms of yoga, just finding different little things that could help him improve that he could put into his tool belt. And it may work for him. It, and he, I wasn't saying that he had to do it. I just want him to be exposed to things that he could do, that he enjoyed doing that worked for him. Find different things. So it was, it was a constant learning, constant growth. 
And how did you connect with him? Through a friend of his family. A friend of his family's name is Omar Salah, who, who now owns a uh, sports management company called Spectrum Management, who works with a ton of athletes, and saw me in the gym, respected my work ethic, saw the consistency and level of discipline that I had. And I told him I was interested in working with athletes. He said, man, I think I got somebody that, that will be interested in listening to what you got to say. Because it was, it was new. It was kind of the beginning. I was able to do that in Vernon. Later, of course, was the first round draft choice by learning it, but he's still living it today after finished playing 15 years in the NFL. And what he did was he bought his brother, Vontae. Now, Vontae was just a sophomore high school at the time. So now Vontae Davis, being a sophomore high school, is learning the life, professional lifestyle, not being a pro or being in the NFL, but a professional lifestyle and discipline and the level of detail and discipline that you need to have outside of the game to be really successful in the game. For sure. Now, how long had you been just training other athletes before you got to Vernon and Vontae? You figure if I want to count back the years in reference to when I was playing in college and then training, you figure plus the four years. So you got to figure at least, I would say, six, six to seven years. Okay. And the reason I ask that is people will see people like yourself training and there's a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into building your business and building up to being able to have, you know, a plethora of athletes that want to come work with you. It doesn't just happen in an instant. Right. I think the main thing for me was that I was never in the business to look to train NFL players. So mm-hmm. or players. And I never looked at a young athlete to say, oh, man, you're going to be a first round pick when I get my hands on you. I didn't do that. I was just blessed with crossing the spirits of individuals who just wanted to be better and wanted to learn and wanted to be in a positive atmosphere to grow and bring the positive energy and be around positive energy. It's kind of hard to deny that. Plus with the training, you know, the training is one thing, but then it's everything else around it. You know, if you come and work out two hours with me, if I don't teach you what to do in the other 22 hours, then you're not going to really reach your full potential in the two hours you train with me. So it's, it's a must that I teach you everything you need to know outside of the time that you're with me. For trainers now getting into the business, I think they see the success and they see the success stories of these athletes, but not really understanding, one, who they are and what they want to do. And then you have to live it. Me personally, I just believe in that. I just can't be a false prophet. I can't be somebody who's teaching somebody something or say I'm teaching somebody something. I'm not doing it. I'm not eating the food. I'm not doing the running. I'm not doing the workouts because at the end of the day, you haven't touched it or shared in those experiences. How can you teach it? So the main thing for most guys is that, yeah, you can be certified. You know, you can get your certifications from all these different entities. But it's almost like what really certifies you? What really certifies somebody to certify you to legally say you got the stamp of approval to train people? But that does not necessarily give you the skill set and the opportunities and the understanding of work with different people. Everybody's different different personalities, different backgrounds, different limitations, all type of different issues because we work with athletes from all different age groups, male and female. And you got to identify those things and be able to communicate those things and also motivate them to be able to do it. So it's a lot that goes into being a good trainer or coach, per se, than just looking at the glorified and the glamour of training professional athletes. There's a lot of things that you got to do that you may not 
necessarily, I won't say want to do, but you won't be, you won't be paid for if you really love it. You know, I've done hundreds of camps. I've done hundreds of seminars or spoke to kids and that stuff, that's being a part of it. If you don't want to do those things, chances are it's going to be really hard for you to grow in the industry. That's why, you know, I respect there's a lot of guys out there that are doing a great job because they've been in the industry for a long time. So I know the ups and downs that they face. And if they're still here, they genuinely love it. And they also are good at what they do. You're a guy that gets in and you you feel like, you know, you know what? Ah, I'm going to go do another job or I'm going to sell houses or I'm going to be an insurance agent. You probably were doing it for the wrong reasons in the first place or because you weren't passionate about it. You didn't know how to develop and grow. So we're always looking for people to help that want to get in the industry, but just letting them know, like, it's not easy. It's just like anything else, man. I got to develop. It takes time. It takes work. It takes you working on yourself to be able to help people. For sure. And as you mentioned, there there are ups and downs throughout the journey. And so it's your passion that's really going to continue to propel you to want to put the work in and do those things that might not pay you to do but are necessary to continue to get exposure to your brand, get your name out there, just be active in the community. So people, people need to know who you are, for one. People need to, people do business with people they know, like, and trust, right? So they have to have relationships with you before they say, hey, here's my money. Even if you're training high-level people too, I mean, they have to have a rapport with you. They're not just gonna open up the checkbook and say, okay, you trained with Vernon Davis, so here's my money, right? They wanna see what can you do for me? What, uh, what kind of results am I gonna get? Are you living by the things that you preach? and that you tell people to do so. There's a lot that goes into that. And if you're passionate about whatever it is you are offering to your clientele, people will be able to see that too. And then, like I said earlier, that passion will keep you moving forward as you're going through those phases that aren't so fun. Right. You're right. To your point, my dad told me this a long time ago. It's not who you know. Uh, that saying goes around a lot. It's who you know, man. You want to be successful. It's who you know. No, it's who knows you. Yes. If you're not open and you don't engage and you don't, you're not confident in who you are to get that across to people, that message or introduce yourself to people, no one's going to know what you do to help you or you help them. So to your point, man, you're right. You got to get out there and you got to do the work. For sure. And two things come to mind. I mean, one, I've been traveling a lot this summer and a lot of people that I meet with, a common thing they say is, Jen, you know, a lot of, or a lot of people know who you are. Well, that's to your point, right? Like people need to know who you are so then they can develop an opinion on whether they want to work with you or have a relationship. The other thing that uh, I just wanted to highlight for our listeners too. So I do a lot of talks in corporate settings about how people can advance their career. And there's this model, it's called the PI model. It stands for performance image exposure. And basically it says that performance is only 10% of what will help you to advance in your career. It's your image. So what people think of you is 30%. But it's the exposure, which is 60% of that pie. So it's who knows you, who has an impression of you. That's what's really going to help you. So whatever field you're in, whether you're in a corporation, whether you're a business owner, having that exposure, getting out there is such an important piece of being able to be successful and to move the ball. Right. Now, something you and I have talked about, too. I mean, I've mentioned you you are elite at what you do. Something that you and I have talked about before is the average length of time that, and you train more than just football players, but in the specific context of football, uh, the average NFL career is about two and a half years. It may be a little bit longer depending on the position, but as a whole, it's about two and a half years. Tell us how long is the average that the guys that you train with, um, how long are they in the league on average? And what is it that you do with them to kind of help extend their time? Like you said, it's two and a half year average. We just did this 
research in the last two years where we kind of had to do a timeline, a timeline back. And it was something that we looked at just to sometimes got to look back at just look back at things. It's like, wow, we really did that. So we looked at it and the average for us is six years. Right. And that means guys probably going to see a pension from the NFL. He's probably maximized and had an opportunity to really build networks and relationships in the business. He's not only maximized his potential at playing, but I think for us, our highest, our longest players, of course, is Vernon playing the 15-year career. But it's them also being honest with themselves, understanding once they get drafted, they're closer to the end than they are in the beginning. So a lot of these guys played since they were five and six years old. So by the time they get drafted, they've already played 15, 16 years of football. So you got to really ask yourself, like, what's the chance of you playing 15, 16 more years of football? You know, you got to stay healthy. You got to be in the right situation. You got to draft it to the right team, demographically, where you go, all of these things. So I think for us, it's just our philosophical approach is a help, is a benefit. One, because we see things in them that they may not see in themselves. And I'm not just talking about from a training standpoint, I'm just talking overall individual lifestyle, teaching, life skill based teaching, always constantly evaluating. So we maximize players. But you make it to the NFL. This is important, too, because players can make it to the highest level. And if you don't have anybody around you that sees more in you, you figure, well, I've been doing this and I've reached a certain success. I'll continue to keep doing it. And your will reach a certain level of success, but you'll plateau and you will never maximize. So you have to be honest with yourself at the end of each season. We try to do a great job of, one, analyzing each season, evaluating each season, not only on field, off the field, off the field things we want to work on and, and get better at and get more discipline at so we can maximize the next year and guys reaching their full potential. So, you know, philosophically, it all starts with lifestyle. I'm not training them to be NFL players. And when you have the mindset, you start, they love the preparation. They enjoy the preparation because the preparation is a part of their life. It's like getting up, washing your face and brushing your teeth as opposed to, oh man, I got to go work out. Man, I don't feel like working out. I'm tired of this. Well, if you're training for football, it's going to be hard for you. But if you train for life, if football is just a portion of time in space that you're going to do, you enjoy it more. And you understand that I'm only going to do this for a certain window of time anyway, and I got to maximize that time. I think we do, if not, probably the best job of teaching that. For sure. And I mean, I, I think that's important in whatever you're doing, whether it's a sport or not. It's, it's looking at how do I improve holistically in my lifestyle, in all elements. And so when you look at how you can improve your habits and everything that you're doing, you're just going to be more efficient, be more productive and live a life of excellence, as I like to say. And again, you'll move the ball if you you do that too. A point two I left out, I got to add that. Also the player, you may have some places where guys will go and train together and just to say, hey, I'm an NFL guy, you're an NFL guy. We train at the same place. For us, it's more of a family in a sense. And when I say a family, each player, depending on where they are in their career, can share experiences, ask questions. That's free knowledge. I'm not charging you for that to ask a guy, hey, what did you do different this offseason? Did you sign with an agent? You just got a new agent. What was it like being traded? What was it like being cut? What was it like being on practice squad then added to the active roster? 
Did you buy a house? Did you rent? You know, all of these things. Oh, what's some things I need to look out for? I'm, uh, I'm coming in as a free agent to the same city that you played. All of these things are part of development, too, that we open up that are open resources. I don't know everything and I haven't been through everything. The benefit for us is that we've been through a lot of things that players have been through at some point so we can share our things that we've been through. But then we can also share the experiences of all the guys that we've ever trained. Something that you've been through, whether it's been injury, oh yeah, so-and-so towards ACL, so-and-so towards labor. What's the name? Had an Achilles tendon injury. Yeah, the quail was traded. And, I mean, went to another team. He tore both pectorials. So these are all things that we can share. So that's important too to growth and them being having longevity in the league too. For sure. And what you're talking about too is having community, a family in your term. And it's really about being able to facilitate conversations amongst people within your community so that they can learn from other people, right? And that's the same thing, whether you're in an athlete setting or even just in the workforce, your network is important and having people that you can lean on or that you can connect other people in your network so they can learn and grow and maybe not make the same mistakes or accelerate their curve because they can tap into somebody that uh, has gone through a similar experience. So if somebody is looking into getting into the fitness industry, we've talked already about passion, like you have to love it, you have to live what it is that you want to teach. But what advice would you give someone? It's not a short term success, as we've talked about before. What else would you share with somebody that's that's thinking about this profession? Individually train themselves, touch, feel things that you want others to do. So you can coach on it. You can speak on it. Anybody can put together a list of exercises. You can put together a list of exercises to get someone tired. That's that's what you call activity. You don't know why you're doing a certain exercise, what you're doing a certain exercise for. Why is it this rep count versus this rep count? You don't have a philosophical approach to what it is you're doing. Then it's just exercise. And with that activity, it's not going to bring productivity. And I think the main thing, again, is, is we're constantly always learning ourselves. Nothing is etched in stone. I'm still learning. I'm still evaluating myself when I do certain things or what time will I wake up? And what do I need to eat? And how do I feel when I eat this versus doing this or this time? That's going to be a constant. You have to be constant in your efforts. Before you teach and preach, you have to do the work. I like that. I think that's very important to understand the why behind what it is that you're teaching so you can be more effective. Because to your point, if you don't know what the purpose is of the exercises, then it's just activities. And I like that. I think that's a great way to think of it. Image. You say image, right? Mm-hmm. Image is important. So it's not just the vanity, right? You can, you can see something, somebody from face value and formulate an opinion as well. So it's kind of like you don't look the part of what you're talking about. Some guys may get away with that. And there may some guys that may, that may even train with you that don't care. But is it going to be the majority? Are you going to get clients to continuously come, bring other people, train their kids? Probably not because you're not in it for the long haul. You know, they were in it for a short period of time and what you could do for them for the time that they were in. They're now not coming back to train after that. And that's important. Right. And on the show, we talk about business. And so from a business standpoint, I mean, it's always better to have clients and keep them and get referrals than always having to try to find new clients and have to spend marketing dollars and time and energy. So you want to, if you are good at what you do, people will stay for the long term, and then they'll also bring other people with them, which makes it it's easier to convert people that 
they bring with them versus trying to always put yourself out there, market, email people, you know, that kind of a thing. I mean, for a long time, we we never marketed. The social media thing is not want to say new to me, but it's new in a sense that we came through a portion of time where kind of had to know who we were, know somebody. And it made it easier for me a little bit in the sense we, we a lot of times we would get the right people all the time because those people that refer people respected and understood what we did. So when they were referring people, they were typically referring people who were very serious about what they were doing. And it always worked out. And we always got the right people. If we didn't, sometimes the work will run you away. You know what I mean? The people that feel it, that don't have a realistic approach of what it takes. And sometimes they need to go through that. That's fine, too. That's a part of learning. But I think that referral base, I mean, look, where I'm at now, I mean, I, I trained Vernon Davis and now I train his son. I trained Dequil Jackson. Now I'm training his son. I trained Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Diggs. And I trained their kids. So we're talking about generational development. This is not just while they're in the league and we put their picture up and celebrate their jersey because they're in the NFL. You know what I mean? We celebrate their success, but we really celebrate more so who they're becoming and their character as men. For sure. Now, I really like that. And just one thing about social media. I mean, there's a difference between you got to be on social media as a business owner, right? But you don't ask if you're doing good at what whatever your service or product is that you're offering then the referrals will reduce that you don't have to pay for sponsored ads, right? Or have an ad spend. But you absolutely have to be on social media, just putting your content out there for people to know that you're around. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because we do talk about branding on the show. And so for people that have their own business, I like to have them share how they came up with the name of their brand, because it's such an important part of your business. So how did you choose 360 Fit Performance as your brand? Because it was 360, right? Yep. I was a graphic arts major too by the way, visual communication, but I was a physical education minor. So, you know, in reference to developing websites and artistic stuff, I always kind of had an eye for that. So just, I saw a circle, you know, what could be in the middle? And I just, you know, the number 360, 360 degrees came to me, but then uh, the word fit, you know, so fit has always been important to me. Fit is actually after 360 is fit. Then it's the word performance. The word performance has somehow has somehow got labeled and put together with just sports. It's in relation to sports. The word performance. It was the word performance for us was never in relation to sports. We felt if you were three sixty fit, your performance level would be at a high level regardless of what you're doing in life. So your performance level could be anything. I don't care what you what do you do. Whatever you choose to do, all we're saying is. Whatever we choose to do, we're going to be the best at. And the reason why we're going to be the best at it is because we holistically train our, our bodies and we train our minds. So we have a sound mind and a sound body to be successful, to push through adversity, to do new things, to reach higher ground, to have a, a different aura and a spirit and a confidence about us when we walk in a room to get a job or to, to mingle amongst the room and build networks and relationships with people to respect what we're doing and exude that. That only happens if you're taking care of yourself, you're eating right, you're getting the proper rest, you're lifting, you give off and exude the proper spirit and energy. So that is the constant. That's where the brand came from. And that's where we philosophically are. Our mission statement, changing lifestyles for a lifetime. So it's 365 performance, changing lifestyles for a lifetime. And that means we're changing people. So it just have nothing to do with 
football, NFL, NBA doesn't make a difference for us. And I like that. I mean, you can hear the passion as you're explaining the meaning behind the brand. And it's very important because when you're a business owner, I mean, figuring out what your brand is and what it's about and what it represents is kind of a big deal, right? So, I mean, yeah, you can go rebrand and you can change things. and But usually you don't rebrand your name. Hopefully you may change the look and the font and design, but that name kind of sticks with you. So it's a, it's really important to think through, what do I want my name to be associated with from a business standpoint and the brand that I'm putting out there? We did do a rebrand from a design standpoint to your, but 365 Performance was the name. Uh, you know, we wanted something a little bit more uh, updated and, and modern and loved it, the early design because it's kind of, when we still use it in our throwback gear because it, it brings back memories for people who started during that time with us. Who, who remember that brand. So, and two, brands are important, right? But what ultimately makes the brand is the people. People are coming for you. You, the people make the brand. So if you have the right people in place, you can have the greatest brand name logo all you want, especially if you're in a service industry. Then your brand is not going to be sustainable and survive because the people aren't able to push it. They aren't honoring it. They're not, they're not representing it. So that's key for us too. We got to be on the same page in alignment too, because their brand is representing our brand. Their character is representing our character. So that's a huge component too. You got to think about when you're talking about branding too. There's a lot of, I know it's, a, it's always thrown out there. My brand, I'm creating my brand. Well, make sure your brand is in line philosophically with everything that you're doing. Yeah, and I like what you talk about in terms of brand partnerships. And we all know that collaborating and partnering with other brands can be helpful and beneficial to continue to move the ball. But it's also about making sure that those partnerships, their brand aligns with what your brand stands for. You certainly don't want to tie yourself up with someone that could be detrimental to your brand because it's just it's just not a good fit. And I think sometimes people get so, even like with bigger influencers, people just get so attached to, oh, well, they've got a bigger brand than me. So of course... I want to align with them, but is it the right fit for you thinking long-term versus the short-term? Oh, I'm going to get this exposure. And it can be, is it the right exposure? Are you tapping into the right audience? Maybe it's not even the right people. Your brand is not going to be for everybody, right? Nobody is a jack of all trades, you know, fit every single person on the planet. So you need to know who is it that you're serving and attracting those people that align with you. Make change where your arms reach and be okay in that sense. We cannot train everybody. And we understand it. And it's okay. It's okay to be in your lane, do what you do best, and take the things that come your way and appreciate those things. For sure. So one other thing I wanted to mention before we go to my two-minute drill is I'm very big on making an impact. It's not just about you when it comes to moving the ball. It's about how you touch and reach other people. And one of the things that you do outside of the impact that you make with your uh, training is that you help players run their camps that make an impact. So recently, I know you uh, you mentioned Stefan Diggs earlier. So you helped Stefan run his camp. Tavon, you helped Tavon with his camp. Talk to us about the camps and some of the impact that those are making. The camps are making a huge impact. We've done it for years. We started out with the Sound Mind, Sound Body Academy, which is based in Detroit. And then we had camps in D.C. where we trained thousands of kids. I mean, we've had camps where we've had 1,200 kids on the field at one time. Again, it's making an impact where your arms reach. These guys are taking advantage of and leveraging their network and where they are in their careers, and they're pouring back 
to where they are because that's where they relate to. As they get older and they stop playing and maybe that approach changes on who they help and where their hands reach then. But to be honest with you, it's great because it kind of makes sense and it's been a consummate of what we've been able to do, right? We are a grassroots company. So for us, it's very important that we touch the grassroots. It's very important that we are at the beginning of the race and not at the end of the race. Anybody can train an NFL player who's ranked in the country to get drafted in the top 32 rounds for eight weeks. He's already done the work. Where is the development from when he's six and seven and eight, all the way through youth league, through high school, through college, if he gets the opportunity to play in the NFL? And then after that, when he puts the light jersey on, that's true development. And for us, we know we're the few, we're the few of the companies that want to do that, one. And we also separate ourselves from wanting to do it year in and year out. We're not going to get tired of doing it because that's how our business is based. We have graduating classes of individuals out of our program. Literally, it's almost like being a school. You, you know, you have a graduating class from, from middle school to high school to college. If they go to the NFL, they're graduating rookie class and they come up together and they remember those times and they remember to share pain. They work together. They train together. Like you spoke about Tavon Wilson. He had a class of individuals that he worked with. That he can tell you about. But I think from that standpoint, that's how we separate ourselves. We love it. We're passionate about it. And then to be honest with you, it helps us as trainers, right? It, it, the more you stay around the youth, the more youthful and energized you become. You you kind of take their energy and you give them knowledge. So you kind of want another in a sense. And I know it's helped us. I know it's helped me. I know it's helped our coaches also, too. But that's a part of it, too. You want to stay youth, stay around the youth. For sure, yes. The young kids definitely have a ton of energy. Yep. So what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Got you. Let's go. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, architect. Oh, nice. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Funny, strong, and athletic. <laughs> Great. Three words. What is one thing most people don't know about you? Probably how much I joke in training sessions, mess with people. A lot of people don't get a chance to see that unless you really know. Okay. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Man, that's a tough one. Maybe Phil Collins, The Heat of the Night. Okay. <laughs> Going old school. Yeah, old school, old school. Got to, got to. Uh, yeah. All right, next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Podcast, just listen to Maddie Ice. He's a good friend of mine. Also listen to the guys over at Pivot. Mm -hmm. You can follow your stuff as well. I haven't picked up a book recently. I did re read a good friend of mine. He is a politician here in the Montgomery County DMV area. His name is Will Jawando. He just wrote his book. So I did just finish that. So that, that will be it. Okay. Next question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Muhammad Ali, Walter Payton. That's a great choice. And I would say Martin Luther King. Three great choices. But the reason why I said Walter Payton was a great choice is being from Chicago, that obviously have a special meaning for me as well. But three three good individuals to have a dinner party with, for sure. My last question is, do you sing in the shower? Sometimes. Okay, so there's a, a small follow-up to that. Would people say that you're good? 
Yeah, I can hold a note. I can definitely okay. Good to know. So as we look to end the show, let people know where are you at on social media? What's your website? We'll put all that in the show notes. Okay, we're 360Fit Performance on Instagram. You can find us at www.360fitperformance.com. Go up there, see all the plethora of programs we offer. We have our own supplement line, merchandise, of course, and then all of our diverse packages and programs that we offer from anywhere between you seniors all the way up to NFL, NBA, professional athletes. So you can definitely find us there. Perfect. We will put those links, like I mentioned, in the show notes so people can follow you, learn more about your business and keep up with you on your journey. Myron, thanks so much for being on the show today. Appreciate you. Well, and I appreciate everyone listening to the show. We will talk to you next time. Again, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button and also share the show with some friends. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, everyone, we'll talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.